Well, it's been an extraordinary year to say the least, hasn't it? And fitting, the Australian Wool Innovation Annual General Meeting in 2020 was held entirely online. Look, it's an important event to report on the activities for the year for the Wool Industry Research, Development and Marketing Body. And in this edition of The Yarn, we've created a highlights package of this year's AGM. Welcome to The Yarn, the number one podcast for the wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So later we're going to hear about the gains made across on-farm research, including the staggering figure of an 82% reduction in losses from wild dog attacks, and the very nimble changes made to the marketing of the fibre this year. But AWI CEO Stuart McCulloch spoke at length about a reduced wool clip from drought, reduced prices and a reduced levy. So AWI has had to cut the cloth to fit after a 32% reduction in revenue in 2020. But even before COVID, the world's biggest economies were slowing down, and really only one has managed a V-shaped economic recovery, China. Wool growers this year have had to adapt quickly from managing drought, then bushfires in many regions, managing out of drought, and then COVID. So it's been a year of great change. Stuart McCulloch spoke first to the AGM about the wool market. Well, prices in April, June, uh, fell quite dramatically, actually, and uh, what we've seen in the last month or so is a is a recovery which uh, looks promising. We'd like to see them uh, stick around this level and get some stability around this level. We think that the April to June was an overreaction, and um, uh, certainly the last couple of weeks have indicated that uh, prices are stabilising. Wool production in Australia has been largely flat for 10 years. We have seen the clip uh, fall off in the last couple of years, a function really of, of, of drought. Uh, that prevails in Western Australia and some parts of South Australia, certainly in, in the east here. Uh, numbers uh, look to be growing, cuts look to be growing. We believe at the 1,200 cent level or a bit above that, we can stabilise this production at around the 275 to 295 million kilogram level. I'm going to move on now to uh, revenue of the company and, and really focus in on the 2018-19 fiscal year versus uh, the forecast where we're at in 2020-21. As you can see, $68.1 million uh, of uh, revenue from levy in 2018-19. Uh, that compared to this year, we expect $25 million in levy. That is a function of uh, the volume of wool as well. It's a function of the value of wool. It's also a function of the levy percentage um, that was returned to us in 2018. We believe that uh, both volume and value will recover a bit uh, in the years moving forward, but certainly this year we have uh, $25 million in levy. What, what the board has resolved, we started the year uh, with a expected drawdown of $15 million from our reserves. Um, as projects have come on in China that we, we think can yield, the board's been quite willing to draw down more uh, from our reserves, and that figure at the moment is looking at $17.9 million. The board look at that every month. They assess the projects, as, as do I, uh, and should we need more, more funds from reserves, they're quite willing to dip into reserves a bit further. But at the moment, it's sitting at $17.9 million. The reserves of the company remain healthy. At the, uh, we currently have $100 million. We expect to finish this year uh, at $87 million. 
Um, that bearing in mind that we're drawing down $17.9, $18 million right now, if that grows, that'll be a bit less. But certainly the reserves are healthy. We built them in uh, good times uh, to use them to iron out the peaks and troughs in bad times. And that's exactly what the company is doing. The expenditure breakdown, well, this is just a function of compression. As the revenue goes down, the uh, compression on these portfolios, everything is reduced proportionally. What I will say is this year has been odd from a point of view of marketing uh, funds that are deployed. We've significantly reduced the marketing funds deployed because of COVID-19. We weren't going to or weren't willing to um, undertake marketing projects that simply weren't going to yield. So proportionally, the company right now is probably a 50-50 um, research development versus marketing uh, business. Moving forward, China remains a very important customer to us. It, it has the right climate uh, for consumption of wool. It has the right population for consumption of wool. And they now have the affluence for consumption of wool. They're processing about 83% of the Australian wool clip now, of which half of that they're domestically consuming. We are very aware of the trade tensions between China and Australia. We, we are working on an industry to industry basis. We're trying to uh, bolster our relationships with our industry partners there. From an industry to industry point of view, uh, we can affect change. From a government to government point of view, we cannot. So we will continue to uh, work on those relationships. In saying that, we, we've had an emerging market strategy for eight years now. Uh, this will continue. We've had good amounts of success in places like Vietnam. We're now exploring places like Myanmar and Cambodia and Bangladesh. Uh, these, these, all these places show promise from certain parts of processing in the supply chain. Uh, but emerging markets remains a key strategy of the company and something that we will push forward with uh, in the years to come. AWI General Manager of Marketing, Laura Armstrong, spoke to the AGM of a rapid move to more digital marketing initiatives and a move to more casual fashion while continuing to remind consumers of the versatility and the modernity of wool as a natural fibre. And despite COVID, some things haven't changed. Driving growth through sports and outdoor campaigns is more critical than ever, as we see a decline in demand for tailored textiles, only impounded by a widespread working from home policy. Our defence strategy of our core fashion line is much more focused on premium comfort than ever before. We've moved away from luxury positioning in the Western Hemisphere, as this is not appropriate for widespread recession. Whilst in China, the luxury conversation still remains important, and this is reflected in our local marketing approach. Finally, we continue to build the reputation of Australian Merino wool through our advocacy campaigns and talent development programs, including the International Woolmark Prize, which has been reduced by 60% this year as a reflection of overall marketing budget contraction. Our global marketing budget has witnessed some significant adjustments over the past three years, from $45 million in 2018-19 to $25 million last year. We are now currently working with $22 million for this year. Despite the challenges, we have delivered a number of compelling campaigns and partnerships in the past 12 months, including four consumer campaigns in the USA, China and Europe, over 40 brand partnerships and two trade campaigns, including a refreshed focus on the meaning of the Walmart certification 
As quality and authenticity become key purchase drivers in a recession-hit economy, the wool mark will become more prominent in our marketing. Some of our campaign highlights include our partnership with iconic Ardman creators and their Shaun the Sheep franchise. The campaign included a short, entertaining film and online gaming portal for children to educate them and millennial parents about the eco-credentials of Australian Merino wool. The film was, has generated 17 million views. This is our most viewed campaign to date. It also attracted 10 million engagements, which are likes, comments and shares. And we've enjoyed 184,000 game sessions on our education portal. And most importantly, we achieved a 9.5 uplift in preference to purchase Merino wool amongst those who've seen the campaign. This is 900% over the industry benchmark. Some of our brand partnership highlights included that with Benetton, which was ideated by our Italian team. This, camp, this partnership was focused on driving volumes through autumn winter of merino wool with across a vast European storm footprint. The partnership sold $93 million worth of wool for Benetton and 1.2 million Woolmark certified garments. And social media is the shining star of our marketing strategy. We continue to optimize and improve as we focus on targeting the younger generation. Performance highlights from our social media strategy include a 98% increase in reach, a 140% increase in our impressions from July to June. We achieved 200 million impressions. We've increased our followers by 8%. And as video becomes a hero format, we have increased our video views by 200%, achieving a whopping 42.5 million views of our content in the past 12 months. Now, as we move forward post-COVID, we need to be laser focused on our priorities with this reduced budget. E-commerce sales are predicted to increase more than 30% to nearly 2 trillion in China this year. That accounts for around 35% of the country's total retail sales. Our marketing campaign strategy is now built on a content and e-commerce model, which means our marketing content must link to an online shoppable product to ensure our audiences can transfer their interest in wool to a purchase immediately. We currently have e-commerce partnerships with some of the world's biggest e-com players, including Amazon in the US, Zalando in Europe, and Tmall in China. It's no surprise we are taking a China-first approach to our marketing, tapping into China's booming patriotism and cultural confidence amongst younger generations. Studies show 67% of Chinese consumers prefer domestic brands due to their passion for local culture. So our local China team are focusing on connecting with key brands that are fundamental to the success of this strategy. We've already taken an aggressive marketing rollout in China with our first consumer campaign this September. The campaign included a Wool Week shopping festival with Tmall featuring over 100 brands. Our campaign film has been viewed 11 million times to date and the campaign message has been viewed over 500 million times. Our live streaming shopping segment on Tmall garnered 720,000 engagements from viewers. Our very initial campaign impact report has showed that 60% of our audience that viewed the campaign are now more likely to buy Merino wool. This is driven by a brand new appreciation of wool's benefits of breathability, natural performance, and easy care. 
We look forward to announcing a number of brand partnerships next year with elite sports people from tennis, basketball and outdoor brands. Casualization continues to accelerate, so we must remain focused on our ambition to become the preferred ingredient for premium performance wear. And finally, ego positioning is ever more important. The brands that have survived the pandemic are now all focused on future proofing for the next big challenge, climate change. Every company we work with is trying to find a way to articulate how their products meet the increasing demands of government legislation and consumer expectations. Our eco story could very well be the most valuable asset we have. So we continue to work alongside Jane's scientists and Julie's innovators to ensure our message is factual, scientific, our product strategies are innovative and future-proofed. Despite all these challenges, we remain entirely optimistic that Australian merino wool will become even more of a consideration for the new customer who now expects exacting quality as a standard, comfort first and uncompromising eco-credentials. Thank you and thank you to the global marketing team for their tireless commitment in bringing this strategy to life this year despite all the challenges. Jane Littlejohn is the General Manager of Research at Australian Wool Innovation. It's been a year of great collaborations for AWI with many projects delivering shared benefits. We collaborated with all other 14 RDCs across 25 projects, leveraging $10 million. This included 22 projects with Meat and Livestock Australia. Flystrike management is our research priority. You all know this. And Flystrike vaccine research, it's highest investment risk. So AWI would not have funded without co-funders. We have passed the middle of a three-year, $3.9 million investment with CSIRO, the University of Melbourne and Griffith University, where 67% of the dollars are from AWI. But the benefits are greater than leveraging that money. Intellectual property licensing within the group reduces duplication, speeds progress, and identifies new pathways for other insect vaccine researchers. Confidence is needed by producers before they invest in feral animal management. Because ferals don't respect boundaries on maps and you can't manage one species in isolation. And we know that the benefits extend beyond the private good. So when both public and private sectors collaborate, producers invest. And AWI echoes the call to arms of the National Wild Dog Action Plan, which enables communities to coordinate their best practice management. So of 12 wild dog coordinators across Australia, AWI co-funded five and fully funded two. Since 2016, AWI has leveraged $16.4 million from a $3.3 million spend on wild dog groups, which achieved a drop in sheep losses of 83%. AWI also invested in rabbit biocontrol through the Centre for Invasive Species Solutions, which is a hub of 17 investors. For reproduction and feed base, our natural partner is MLA. In 2020, nine out of 16 projects in this area were with MLA. And since 2011, 10% of all AWI and MLA projects have 
uh, in reproduction have involved our collaboration and 59% have involved multiple organisations. This co-ownership spreads the AWI dollar across more management practices and wool growers receive double the communication effort and consistent extension messages. Creative solutions to wool harvesting are difficult to achieve and a financial commitment to robotic shearing is currently out of our reach. However, through interest in the topic, AWI has attracted 48% co-investment from engineers and scientists with a $2 million budget over four years. Without this contribution to high-risk investments, AWI would not consider concepts such as back muscle sensing systems, sensing handpieces, biological defleecing, and automated skirting and classing. The Merino Lifetime Productivity Project is our largest research collaboration. It's worth $13 million, and AWI's contribution is 62%. The wealth of data collected in the last six years is now shared with MLA. It will fuel their accuracies of their Merino Select products. The completed data set of 2 million records will be licensed to researchers for decades of future analysis on ram breeding. This legacy of depth and the longevity of data and the breadth of relevance to Australian wool growers could not be achieved without this really impressive collaboration. But now I'm going to talk about a much smaller collaboration in monetary value, and it's only $250,000 over three years. AWI is contributing 17%. But it's a much larger, larger challenge to achieve than the MLP project. The matter of lessening the risk from the flawed European Union's environmental footprinting method because many of the technical issues of environmental impact assessment are common across industries. Wool and Cotton formed a collaboration with MLA, Sugar Research Australia, Grains RDC and AgriFutures to create and present scientific evidence on accurately measuring the environmental footprint of Australian product. Collaboration has given us a bigger voice. Jane Littlejohn there, she's the General Manager of Research at Australian Wool Innovation, but we also heard from Laura Armstrong, General Manager of Marketing, and of course, Stuart McCulloch, the Chief Executive Officer of Australian Wool Innovation. So naturally, the entire annual general meeting can be seen and heard at wool.com slash AGM. From me, Murray's coming. Thanks for having a yarn with us.